0: I'd just like to start today's episode by apologizing for two things in particular. The first being the quality of last Friday's episode, I noticed that it was quite lacking. Um, I checked it over when I was editing it and I'd realized quite too late that I hadn't plugged in my microphone correctly into my laptop and therefore the quality suffered. So hopefully I won't forget that and this will sound a lot better than last Friday's episode. The second thing I would like to apologize for is another episode that I uploaded, you probably saw this weekend, about zero waste and the coronavirus. Unfortunately, I had saved that episode as a draft and it was never published on its intended date of publishing. I believe it was episode 51. And so if you haven't had the opportunity to see it, I highly recommend it. And I'm hoping that a couple of you had seen it over the weekend when I officially published it and got your listening ears on it. Um, But with that being said, uh, let's dive into this podcast today. So we are going to talk about the coronavirus as it is, of course, taking first priority in all of our news today. And I'd like to give you a little bit of an update if you haven't already heard the news that is going on out there. Uh, But I would also like to kind of move towards another story that other story involves ageism, the murder of the elderly, and really um, a massacre. And so we're going to relate those things with the coronavirus, and uh, we're going to kind of see the similarities that we're seeing with this that kind of play in the subject today and why this story is so relevant for today. So, with that being said, my name is Kevin I am the host of this podcast, and it is the only podcast hosted by me. And you are listening to A Mention with Kevin. Let's get started in today's story. So we're going to start ourselves off by kind of tying in what our story later in this podcast has to do with the coronavirus. So if you haven't already heard, in Canada, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau just an- announced a major travel restriction in an effort to stem the ma- the coronavirus pandemic major that has now killed more than four people in our country he said Canada will be denying entry to most non-citizens or non-residents but exceptions will be made for diplomats people with family in Canada and US citizens citing the level of integration between the two countries Justin Trudeau said that the federal government is mandating the air carriers screen passengers with symptoms of the coronavirus Out of lineups so they don't board planes back to Canada. Additionally he said starting Wednesday international flights will only be allowed to land at the four major airports which are Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto and Montreal. The travel restrictions come as British Columbia reported three more deaths related to the COVID-19 outbreak. The new deaths stem from an outbreak at the Lynn Valley Care Center, a long-term care facility in North Vancouver. So as we can see, the victims of this COVID outbreak in Vancouver um, were in fact uh, part of the elderly population. Unfortunately, they had compromised uh, immune systems and they were susceptible to um, other compromising infections. Um, So unfortunately Uh, Three more people passed away, and as we look at how the victims and really the fatalities of this coronavirus uh, affect our population, we really start to see that it is affecting um, just one demographic more than others, and that is the elderly. This virus uh, obviously does not discriminate on age, uh, gender, or um, for that matter, ethnicity. Uh, but when it comes to overcoming the virus, it seems that uh, how old you are really gives you um, a real perspective of how you're able to fight this virus. And unfortunately, the older you are, it's a lot harder to fend off this infection. And so we can almost see the coronavirus as being a mass murderer of the elderly. And so Unlike um, mass murderers that are out there, um, coronavirus does not pick and choose its victims um, and just the old. Um, it goes for everybody. Uh, but today's story, we're going to talk about another mass murderer who was also um, found his demographic and the elderly. And in fact, uh, ageism did take a part within choosing his victims. And so for this story, we're going to turn back the clocks and we're going to go back to July 26 of 2016. In that day, a young Japanese man went on a stabbing rampage at a facility for the mentally disabled where he had been fired, the Japanese police had said, killing 19 people reported at the time months after he gave a letter to parliament outlining the bloody plan he had saying all disabled people should be put to death. When he was done, Satoshi Yumatsu, 26 years old, had left dead or injured nearly a third of the almost 150 patients at the facility in a matter of 40 minutes in the attack, the deadliest mass killing in Japan for decades. 25 were wounded, 20 of them seriously. He planned it all. He drove up in a black car, carrying several knives to the tsukyuyamaru in facility in Sagamarihara uh, 40 kilometers west of Tokyo, according to security camera footage. He planned it so he broke in by shattering a window at 2.10 am, according to a prefectural health official, and then set about slashing the patient's throats. Details of how he did that, and if the victims were asleep or otherwise helpless, were not immediately known, though a cryptic letter he sent to the Japanese parliament in February gave a peak in Yumatsu's dark turmoil. After the massacre, he calmly turned himself in about two hours after the attack. Suki Yamaru-en facility, which means Mountain Lily Garden, was a facility Yumatsu knew well, having worked there since 2012, until he got let go in February of 2016. He knew the staffing would be down to just a handful in the wee hours of the morning. And so this was his opportunity and his plan. Not much is known yet about his background, but Yumatsu once dreamed of becoming a teacher. There's pictures of him and Facebook, where he looks happy smiling widely with other young men so how did this happy young man get to this what led this man to this disturbed mentality somewhere along the way things went terribly awry and the story twists in a dark manner Yumatsu began to tell people around him that disabled people needed to be killed in February 2016. He tried to hand-deliver a letter he wrote to Parliament's lower house speakers demanding that all disabled people be put to death through a world that allows for mercy killing. Yumatsu boasted in the letter that he had been able to kill uh, the ability to kill 470 disabled people in what he called a revolution and outlined an attack on two facilities after which he said he will turn himself in. He also asked to be judged innocent on the grounds of insanity, to be given $5 million uh, U.S. in aid and plastic surgery so he could lead a normal life afterwards. He later stated, My reasoning is that I may be able to revitalize the world economy and I thought it may be possible to prevent World War III, the rambling letters said. The letter, which the Tokyo police got, included Yumatsu's name, address, and telephone number, and reports of his threats were relayed to local police where Yumatsu lived. Kanagaya Gov Yui Kuraiwa apologized for failing to act on the warning signs. From this time working at the facility, Yumatsu was well known to the people in the area, and some said he was polite and upstanding that they found the news so Shocking. Akihiro Yasegawaga, who lived next door to Yumatsu, said he heard Yumatsu had gotten into trouble with the facility, initially over sporting a tattoo, which is often frowned upon in Japan's society because of its association with criminal groups. He was an ordinary young fellow, he said. Yosuyuki Deguchi. A criminologist said Yamatsu's actions were typical of someone who bears a grudge and seeks revenge because it appeared he planned into out the attack and he turned himself in to police. Accomplishing his goals was all he wanted, Deguchi said. Mass killings are rare in Japan because the country's extreme strict gun control laws any attacker usually resorts to stabbings. In 2000 and eight, seven people were killed by a man who slammed a truck into a crowd of people in central Tokyo's Akiharabara electronics district, and then stabbed passerbyers. In 2010, 14 were injured by an unemployed man who stabbed and beat up passengers on two public buses outside a Japanese train station in Ibakarake Prefecture, about forty minutes uh forty kilometers northeast of Tokyo. So now Let's turn back the clocks forward to present time. It's March 16th, 2020, and the Japanese court has sentenced this former care home employee to hang for the knifing and death of 19 disabled people and injuring others four years ago in the deadliest mass attack in post-war Japan. The Yokohama District Court convicted Satoshi Yumatsu for the killings and the injuries of 24 other residents and two caregivers at Yamurui in residential buildings in July 2016. Like I stated, during the investigation and trial, Yumatsu repeatedly said he had no regrets and was trying to help the world by killing people he thought were burdens. Advocacy groups have said the suspect's views reflected a persistent prejudice in Japan against people with disabilities and, of course, the elderly. The trial focused on his mental state at the time of the crime. Chief Judge Kishyoshi Ayanuma dismissed defense requests to acquit him because he was mentally incompetent due to marijuana overdose. Um, So... uh, Obviously, he tried to defend himself, and by some defense, he was trying to give that he had gained psychosis through the drug marijuana. Unfortunately, that didn't, wasn't receptive by the judge or the court, and so uh, that was completely dismissed on all accounts. Um, a drug like marijuana could never kind of push you to the limit, and it was definitely not a reason to perform such a heinous act. Uh, The prosecutors said Yumatsu's criminal motive came from his biased personality and work experience at the home and not because of the drug or any drugs. They said Yumatsu was fully mentally competent and he should be responsible for his crimes. The killings mirrored a plot described in his letter that he tried to give to parliament prior to the attack. Yumatsu, now 30, has also told medical staff and officials that he was influenced by the idea of Nazi Germany leader Adolf Hitler, whose killings of disabled people were seen as actions intended to approve perceived master race. So this disgusting uh, display of actions that this this young man had committed uh, is terrible. And it's great to see that there is justice and that uh, he will essentially pay for what he did unfortunately he cannot uh, repay all those people uh, for the suffering that he caused for their families for their loved ones Um, but in a little way he will pay for this Uh, but this also um, it just got me so interested because of kind of the same themes that i'm seeing with this coronavirus with this virus we're seeing a lot of panic We're seeing a lot of people acting a little bit different. Some people for the better. Some people are trying to help others and trying to be mindful um, and helpful to other people uh, and selfless. But we can see the flares of racism um, and ageism come up in this virus, and especially in this time, ageism. We've heard some reports of some young people saying that this is a way that um, now the old will die and uh, because of this virus affecting them and uh, the economy might be saved through this or opportunity will be given to young people because of the elderly perishing. Um, and this is definitely not uh, something that I want to encourage, but I want us to look at this and see kind of the effects of the human nature of, of, of being greedy and being selfish. Ultimately, guys, I want to encourage you guys to help those nearby. I want you to encourage to help uh, those in your community who are elderly, who are susceptible to this virus. Um, And I don't think that it is a good idea to kind of look at this as a great opportunity. Uh, This is affecting many families in a way. And so um, as we're doing our daily lives and trying to follow the guidelines that the government says for us, I think this is an important time to kind of look back, take a breath, be patient, and see how we could be helpful, how we can be mindful, how we can support one another in this time. And that means everyone, regardless of gender, race, or age. And so guys, I'd like to try to see if we can discard that. Discard those prejudices and work together to fight corona. So these are the parallels that I've seen with the killings in Japan and our present state with coronavirus. What do you guys think about this? Leave me a tweet at Kevin underscore Hobie of what you think about this subject um, in terms of the killings in Japan or the coronavirus affecting the elderly and the comments that have been going around. Uh, Do you think that this is really kind of shed to light some ageism that our generation is dealing with. Uh, has this displayed anything else? Let me know on Twitter. Well, guys, I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Again, if you'd like to see any more of my content, you can check this podcast out. It is now on Apple, it is on Spotify, and it's on Google Music. So please subscribe subscribe. If you want to check me out on YouTube, you can just type in the name Kevin Hobie or Studio Kevin, and it should bring you to both of my channels. As always, I want to remind you to brush your teeth and floss. And during this time, try to keep some distance from your neighbor. Uh, I encourage you to wash your hands thoroughly. And remember, I'll see you on the next episode. Good night.